and welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marian Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. And today we're talking to Chuck Tebow, who is the executive director of RTO6 in Ontario. And so then, welcome, Chuck. Well, thank you. Yeah, RTO6 is a very boring name. I know. So that begs your explanation. It it stands for Regional Tourism Organization 6. It's a provincially funded not-for-profit that's dedicated to developing, supporting, and promoting the tourism assets of all of Durham region all of York region and the Headwaters Tourism region, which is out to the west with uh, Dufferin County, Erin, uh, Caledon, and uh, the Glen Williams Mill down in, uh, in Halton, actually. They're, they're, we've taken them as well. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, and we call ourselves Central Counties Tourism is how we go on our B2B side and YorkDurhamHeadwaters.ca uh, is our consumer facing side. Okay, we'll repeat that again at the end. Okay, we can put for it up everybody. on the screen. Oh, wait, it's a podcast. Never mind. Oh, yeah, but when <laughs> Melissa does the marketing of the podcast, she can put oh, it well, in. There, the there we go. There we go. Yeah, that'll be under really the tags. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be Excellent. the way to go. So, but what are, what do these regional tourism RTOs do? Well, our our job is mainly well the way we the we we do it here. Everyone is different, so it is. It's, okay. So cool. every RTO, it, it's the government gives us the money as as a as a private not for profit, um, run by a board of directors of stakeholders, which is fantastic. And then every RTO has a freedom to do what's best for their for their region. And in our region, we really believe in a bottom up approach because we don't own any of the tourism things. None of us do, you know, as, a, as an organization. The only way tourism is gonna work is if the people who are delivering tourism, be that art and culture or attractions and restaurants, the trail systems, all those people, if, they're, if they don't have the capacity to, to give people a good experience, there's no, there's no tourism. There's no point of tourism because people might come once and never come again. Right. So our job is bottom up is to work with the stakeholders. What do you need? How can we help? What is it that's going to make make your life better? Make it so that you are ready to welcome guests from, you know, from an hour away from across the ocean, wherever you are drawing from. And how are you going to give them a fantastic experience? And so you also get to share across even though like there's across headwaters york and durham you see a lot of different ideas so part of what your role is is sharing those ideas well exactly and and there is there's a lot of similarities and we try to pick those themes that that fit right across uh, all of the regions but there's also a, a lot of a lot of differences we're working with stakeholders right now developing a shoulder season strategy where you know how do we extend the season how do we make it so that Making big bigger is one thing. It's really easy. If everyone's coming in the summertime and you can, it doesn't take much because they're already predisposed to come in the summertime, you can, you can build them up. You can, you can easily get some more people in. 
But when people don't want to show up in November because they have never thought of your of your town or your destination or your attraction as a as a November thing, what how do we do that? How do we build that up and how do we create some new products and experiences that people will start to think of your town as somewhere to go in November? And the shoulder seasons are different in different places. In Headwaters, shoulder season starts a lot later because they are swamped in September, October because of the, the fall colors. And it's known as a place to go for fall colors. They don't want anyone else up there. Mm -hmm. But then the, the leaves drop and it just, it's like, it's like a dam's gone up. And now, so for them, the shoulder season starts in November in through December. Mm -hmm. Whereas up in Northern, Northern Durham, they want more people to do the pumpkins and do all the farm stuff and do the trails and the towns themselves want people to, that are doing the outdoor experiences to come in. So for them, the shoulder season starts a little bit earlier. And then, you know, but Northern Durham also has a lot of ski hills and trails. So winter isn't as much of a, a shoulder season or a down season as it is in York. Mm -hmm. So it's really been interesting to see how even within our little region, which which we always classify, we say because people are, well, where's York? You know, where's York Durham headers or where's Central County's tourism? And we say, well, if Toronto is this piece of carrot cake. We're that rich, creamy, luxurious cream cheese icing that goes right over the top. We're the calories. That's right. Yeah, we're <laughs> the delicious calories. Yeah. And the even within that region, it's amazing to see how much uh, difference there are from community to community. Yeah, and we talked once before about how Uxbridge, which is a town just, you know, a 12-minute drive from Port Perry, but that they have, the, they have, a slightly different geography and they've maximized that and they have certain themes and they've done some things that are tourism and culture related that are different than Scugog and yet look at how close we are but they're and and at different stages so therefore different needs so yeah and 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 Uxbridge started years and years and years ago and they worked with us I guess seven years ago now in uh, developing a community tourism plan which is a which is sort of an official recognition that tourism is a vital part of the of the economy and really and this is the, the key thing tourism is about money tourism is about uh the visitor economy and one of the things that i think covid did for for tourism is make a lot of municipalities and um, governments recognize just the vital importance that visitors have on the businesses of communities across Ontario or in Canada and probably the world, but just strictly in our region, if there was no tourism, as most municipalities and most councillors believe, you know, in our in our area, if there if there was no tourism, there would have been no need to spend millions and millions of dollars on shop local campaigns during COVID. Mm -hmm. Because the only people that had been shopping there were locals. And there wouldn't have been any any lessening of the revenues other than having to go pick it up, you know, and that sort of thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that in Port Perry, especially here, tourism is huge. Like mm -hmm. 25, 25% of the people on the streets in the summertime, 25 to 30, and I, and I wish I brought my stats, aren't from here. Yeah. Right? They're from somewhere else. And they're spending money in your restaurants. They're spending money at your art gallery. They're spending money in all these different places that if they weren't coming... If your profit margin is 30% and 30% of your visitors are tourists, 
and they're gone, you're breaking even at best. Yeah. And this is this is what we're we're trying to make sure that that you know council and the business community themselves understand. So Uxbridge did this seven years ago, and as you can if you've been, they are doing more and more and stuff. They are they are living the trail capital of Canada. There's no roots anymore. It's not the it's not the um, uh, when they do their their gallery the gallery tour. It's not a gallery tour. It's a gallery trail. Right. Because everything is going to be branded with that. They have their businesses are starting to work together so that they uh, they know what each other is doing. So that if someone's in your gallery, if you were in Uxbridge, like if but You'd in a gallery, the if they're, just they were in a gallery in in Uxbridge, and they and the people weren't from the area, and they said, what else is there to do? Someone will say, oh, you should check out this restaurant. Oh, you go up to the you know the the manse. You do this. You do that, and it keeps people there longer, especially when it's a local who's giving advice as to what else to do, because that's what people want. They want to know what you want to do because you live there. Mm-hmm. So Port Perry is getting there. Mm-hmm. They really are. They've done a, they've done a community tourism plan. They're, they've uh, working on wayfinding plans, all sorts of stuff. They're a couple of years behind, but they're certain, certainly getting there. And you've got such phenomenal businesses of all, you know, of all genres when it comes to tourism. It's a great makeup. You also have a gorgeous downtown on a lake. That's, yeah, comple- and, that's completely unique. Yeah, and so other small towns, they all have those unique features too. We don't want to keep as as travelers and visitors to other places ourselves, we don't keep returning to exactly the same space to do exactly the same thing. We try out different towns. We go to different places. and Yeah, and it really is, and, and it's all about cr- creating a destination. The, the more things there are to see and do, in a in an area, the farther afield you can get people to come. From this, if you drew a 75 kilometer, we're sitting in Port Perry right now. If you were to draw a 75 kilometer circle around Port Perry, there's 7.1 million people. Mm-hmm. I but, remember because I used to work on the fair board, and yeah. we had this great discussion one year about they they're on the Labor Day weekend, and. The, some of the board members were like, oh, I think maybe we should move off Labor Day weekend. You know, everybody's at the cottage. And I'm like, you know, not everybody owns a cottage. Right. There are a lot of people doing other things on that weekend. You don't need 1.7 million people attending the Port Perry Fair. All you need are 10,000 people attending the Port that's Perry right. Fair. 10,000 of the right people who are going to spend money. And that's, and that's the key. So you've got 7.1 million people who, if they were to come to Port Perry, probably wouldn't even consider themselves to be a tourist because mm-hmm. they're less than an hour away or about yes. an hour away. Yeah. However, they're there. And if they're spending their money in your town, that's fantastic. So they might not drive an hour or even an hour and a half just to come to your gallery. Yeah. But if they knew that there was your gallery and then this gallery and then this really cool art experience and then the theater was going on in the, you know, that they're going to be doing this summer outdoors, they're like, I'll plan maybe a full day and I might even plan, you know, plan two days, especially if I'm going to go over next door here to to Old Flame yeah. and, uh, and you know, spend the evening at Old, Old Flame. There's, so th- now you've become a destination. Yeah. And people who who spend the whole day are going to spend more money and and you know keep keep the doors open for a lot of these businesses. Yeah. One of my uh, kids, uh, adult kids, still call them kids, uh, had a friend living here from Belgium for a year, uh, and uh, her mom and dad and and aunt and uncle came over. We couldn't get them out of Old Flame. Now they're from Belgium. 
like one of the beer capitals of the world. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't get them out of Old Flame. They just loved it because they just kept going on and on about the atmosphere of it, right? So there are, you know, you think maybe your audience is who you think it is and you might be wrong. It's a, it can be somebody else. Well, exactly. And and this is where Central Counties, you know, does do a lot of a lot of work, a lot of help is we can we can find out who's coming to to your place or Jack's place or, you know, anywhere and then figure out what else do they typically like to do and then we can help match you and, and introduce you to other businesses that are are similar and would have that same sort of um, cachet so you can start to develop really cool new products and experiences yourselves with yeah. our with our help we facilitate because once again we don't we don't own anything when it comes to the art and culture world our job is to help people recognize the business of what they do the business of their craft um, the, the notion that if you build it, they will come doesn't really exist if no one knows you're building it. Yeah. Right. It's in the, so many of, of the, probably what I would consider the coolest stakeholders that like the, or the, you know, the, the ones who really have a passion and a great experience that they could provide are, are very small businesses or individual artists or small ensembles of artists who are so entrenched working in their business every day that they don't take any time to work at their business mm -hmm. or don't have or don't feel they have the time to work at their business or and, may not have the skills or don't even think of it as a business which is mm. problematic but let's 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 pretend that's not the case and, and they just don't have the time or the skills to do it we help we help with that get them thinking about their business as a or or their art as a business and how do you partner? How do you work together? How do we get uh, people to know who you are? And you don't have to be open. Like if you if you're a, a studio artist, but your studio is in your garage, you don't need to be open seven days a week. When I was uh, one of my mom's best friends, when she retired, she moved up towards Cremor and she was a glass artist. And she was working out of her garage. And she spent the first couple of months going around to see what other studios there were on people's properties and, you know, little in the little towns everywhere. And she got together with them all and she said, hey, why don't we just, why don't we create ourselves a, an a, a open studio tour? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we don't want to do it. It's, you know, too much work. I don't want to be open all the time. She goes, no, 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 not all the time. Why don't we commit from May until uh, Labor Day weekend? We're all open on Tuesdays from 12 till 4. Mm -hmm. for the summer and everyone put in a hundred bucks or 150 bucks and we'll do up a brochure that we'll take to Collingwood and put in a few places. We'll do a little website. And I think she got first year six or eight that said, okay, we'll do this. And sure enough, Tuesdays from 12 till four, people started showing up in all these different businesses. Yeah. And they weren't tire kickers. Yeah. 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 Right? They, they were, were people, engaged. They, they were, were engaged. engaged. They wanted to learn. They wanted to buy. They were doing commission pieces, all sorts of stuff, keeping them, you know, and the, the conversations kept flowing and it just, it kept going 12 to four, 12 to four for the, for the entire summer. The next year, I think they went up to 10 or 12 because the other artists who, who weren't the, we call them the early the, adopters, the early adopters yeah. they said, wow, that was successful. Can I get in? Of course you can get in. And we do the same thing at central counties with, with, tourism routes and things the, the most the, the first one boy i think it's on year six or seven too is it's called a country path and it's out in clarington and we met with a bunch of stakeholders who had heard us talking about building a destination 
And it was like the general store and the Tyrone Mill. And there was a couple of artists and there's a bed and breakfast and a bunch of places who wanted to promote their, their area as a destination, but also promote each other. And they created this thing called a country path. And we helped with our partnership funding, get it off the ground. And it continues to this day to go really, really strong. And they credit the, their, their own personal success on this partnership that they've, that they've done. Mm -hmm. And we've been telling a lot of people for it for years and years, and now it's starting to take off. So now we've got the side roads of Scugog starting up. We've got the back roads of Brock starting up. These are not central counties initiatives. These are initiatives that are being done by the stakeholders, which means it's going to be successful because they have skin in the game. Mm -hmm. We're here to, we'll help. We'll, you know, they, with partnership funding, we're going to help promote it. We're going to do all that kind of stuff because we, as, as the facilitators are like, this is perfect because you don't, for me to say, you got to do this, this, and this, and this, they're going to say, no, I don't. But when they come to me and say, we want to do this, 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 and this, I'm like, perfect because you you now are going to be successful because you want it not yeah. because you're doing a favor for me yeah so. how do how does arts and culture fit into um the economy of a community uh, and, and particularly thinking of these smaller places yeah. we're not a toronto known for its art and so how does that fit in well, it fits in. It fits in in many ways, especially if you're looking just at, as on a community level, right? Having those, having an, a, a vibrant art and uh, culture community, a vibe, makes a great reason for people to live here. Mm -hmm. But and and I have to I as a as a you know as a, someone who's in tourism, I have to separate that out. For me, where art and culture collide with tourism is at the access of money. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's. How do we, and, and money means, how do we get more people here? How do we get the right people here who are going to spend money with the, the, the people? like, like Going to a theater, going, going to, to yeah, a live yeah, theater, doing the, yes. buying a painting. That's right. But not just that. Buying gas, buying dinner, buying beer, staying overnight, doing all that sort of other thing. But the catalyst is art and culture. Mm -hmm. so, so it's all about money. And, and I, I know it sounds crass, but that's really where, where it it sort of crosses with tourism. So the, when, when a group of artists of all different media, they get together and they start thinking about what do they want to do and how can they create something that is going to be a catalyst for travel, even if they can't think of it, they come to us and then we can sit in a room and we can just bat around ideas until something, they go, oh, I'm gonna grab onto that and let's build this out mm -hmm. and let's see what we can do with it. But, you know, from a single artist in, in a garage studio to a big gallery, to, to theater, to the music, music in the parks, to you know, the, the Philharmonic orchestras, they all have the potential to grow tourism. Mm -hmm. And like, well, Lake Sco or um, Scugog Arts got a lot of help from Central County's tourism in a partnership grant, um, working with and, and developing a brand new program, which was um, Lake Scugog Studio Tour, which is one of the programs of Scugog Arts, existed. It's a, it's a tour that involves over 50 artists. It's at, you know, a couple dozen studios. And we said, let's build it out and let's make it um, a nine or 10 day festival in May that's all of the arts, so not just visual arts. And so for the first time um, this year, we, we did that with with the help of Central County's tourism, because we said, 
you know, we've already got this great tour. It's got a great reputation. It's very high quality. People rave about the tour. And we had existing things going on in the community. So, for instance, we have um, Lynn McDonald Jazz. She's always been doing these jazz uh, afternoons and jazz nights. She's going to do them anyway. We just said, Lynn, make sure you have a couple of them booked in this week and we'll pool our resources. We'll be the ones advertising the whole thing and, and you'll start to help build some of your audience up. But then we also went to other people and said, hey, you don't normally do something in the first 10 days in May. Why don't you pop something into this? And then we said, okay, and we'll invest some money, Skugog Arts, and let's pay the musician to, so we had um, McKenna Henderson Blues Band up at Two Blokes Cider. Let's be promoting Two Blokes Cider. Let's be, and it's a great outdoor event. And Skugog Arts paid for the musicians so that we built a whole program around it. We, we called it small town big because it was like hey look what a small town can put on a big festival and that was what it was all about and that was with funding from central yeah, county tourism it's, that's easy funding to to give because you you get it right mm -hmm. you you've gone out of your way you've engaged all the stakeholders you're looking at it through a tourism lens of how do we make it how do you make big bigger you already have a successful event but a, a, how to to get more people to come to the event you need to have more capacity in order to welcome them and give them a good experience. And you went out and you did all of those things. Yeah. And that is creating a destination. And yeah. you did it over a series of days. It wasn't a one day, one and done. It was over a longer period and it will continue. And we're going to do it every year. You're going to do it every year and it's going to grow and it's going to grow and it will become people who don't live here. It'll be part of their annual calendar. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, I got to go because there's going to be something different every year. It's going to be really cool. I love this place. Love this. Love the ambiance. Love the, you know, love the feel of it. And, and it's, but once again, for us, it was rooted in the programming you put together had the ability to get people to get off their couches and come and see it. Mm -hmm. And for us, all, if we were, you know, we did a bunch of extra promotion and things like that all for free. That's part of what we do. Um, but giving you the, the giving you the funds made sense because you could do better with that than we could telling you what you should be doing with it. Yeah, and part of it too is Chuck. It's it's hard um, often for charitable organizations like a Skookog Arts to get funding for what many people consider to be operating expenses. They seem really happy to give you the funding for something that they think is a tangible thing. But, oh, are you actually paying a human being to organize something that they consider that operating expenses? Whereas, like you and I understand, well, if that person isn't organizing it, who is? We have to pay those people to organize a festival like that. That's right. The event won't happen without without the people that are behind the scenes making it happen. And yeah. you know, the people that are working with the volunteers. And you have a whole volunteer base that's important. For us, we've, we've always said marketing comes last, which is weird for a marketing organization. But, well, sorry, we don't even consider ourselves a marketing organization. But that's, you know, back in the day, the, the title of places like, you know, Toronto Tourism it was DMO, Destination yeah. Marketing Organization. Right. Now, they've changed right. that to management. But even still, marketing's got to come last because there's no point telling people to come to 
Port Perry and see all this wonderful stuff if the wonderful stuff isn't ready to be seen. Oh, that you're you're very right. right. So, I, I felt that way when I was yeah. started at Skugog Arts on the board yeah. was we have to build up our programming before we can go out that's and start exactly. really. Exactly. And and then you start small people. and you do some test things and, and once that's successful, you 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 when we when we are working with with our stakeholders to build out new experiences, we get we try to get them to test it and to try to break it. Break it. Find out where your weaknesses are, and then rebuild and rebuild, and then you do a launch, and and off you go. And that's so important. And once it's ready, then we'll tell the world about it. Because yeah. That, you know, we have that. You know, we have that ability to work up through Destination Ontario and on on these some of the great things that the stakeholders are doing. Uh, but it is very much the last thing that we worry about. We want to make sure that the stakeholders are ready to be successful for themselves. Yeah. What are some of your favorite programs that you've seen done well i i really I, so a country path is is by far you know is the the one that is the catalyst for what we're really trying to do is to make it so it's all stakeholder led so a mm -hmm. country path and if you know you want a countrypath.ca just saying if you want to put that in the notes <laughs> um it's it's a real it's a really cool really cool thing um, i was really impressed with how Uxbridge is working together. All of their businesses are working together, and they are doing that uh, light festival at Christmas time. Yes. So it during COVID, it ended up being a drive-through event, which is kind of cool. It was in really itself, neat, right? Adaptations. What was, but can what often... was really neat was all of the signs on that thing saying, "Hey, did you have fun here? Head to downtown to get some Christmas shopping done or holiday shopping done." And the businesses stayed open later. They did up their windows. And it was a joint effort now between the BIA, the businesses themselves, the town, the the uh, um, I think as a kinsman who do the to and I apologize if it's not who actually do the light displays. Oh, fabulous! I to get people, not just to spend their you know an hour doing the lights, but to spend the evening doing the lights and eating dinner and going doing some shopping in their downtown. And that's exactly what destination development's about. You need to work together. And you need to you need to work under a, a larger umbrella to make sure that you are um, there's a there's a cachet to what you're doing that that resonates with more people. Yeah. And so that that to me was one of the was a really, really cool um, project. And I think that we we're seeing more and more uh, organizations and, and uh, municipalities starting to think big like that. Yeah. I'm really there's a there's an open streets uh project or, or a task force and you sit on it with me um, i think that that's got huge potential here in port perry i'm really excited about the notion of of you know making it so it's it's the, your streets are more vibrant all the time for, mm -hmm. for visitors mm -hmm. and residents the coolest stat that i've seen comes from uxbridge from that christmas festival so this because we keep stats over over a couple of years so the first year they did it it was 30 or 40 percent were were tourists which is which is great, which is exactly you know coming from more than forty kilometers. That's the definition. So if you got to drive more than forty kilometers, you're considered a tourist, even though you might not consider yourself a tourist. Year two, more people total attended. The amount of tourists, although there were more of them, were less of a percent. Ah, because the residents, the locals, the locals came are coming out, and that is. The number one thing that you need to get people have to get their heads through is that anything you're doing that is going to drive people here because it's so cool, the residents are going to enjoy too and get a, a 
pride of place and start to really be part of that vibrant community. They, they start to see things change and they become happy with it because they're taking part in what's already there. It is very difficult for a council to invest in tourism when it's going to cause two or three people every council meeting to get up to complain about I couldn't get my parking spot in front of my barber or I, I you know I, there was extra I garbage I could get in, a parking space in front of the post office Yeah yeah there's there's an extra there's an you know there was garbage in the in the streets and you know these tourists aren't bringing in any money da 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 da, da. when you the more people that are coming into town means the more people that need to be employed so that restaurant could have an extra employee who then needs to have their their uniform laundered at the dry cleaners who now gets that extra little bit of money who now has to have their hair cut more regularly that's exactly right so so the interesting part about the visitor economy is that it it has several layers it has the initial input of money that comes in to the businesses into their tills and that's great for them but that then gets dispersed out to all of the residents or the the staff who are typically residents and those people are then spending all of their money on things in the town as well the groceries they go up for dinner they do all that kind of stuff which then so it builds it up so you're right in that a vibrant town brings in more people the other really cool thing is that people who haven't been here and come here go man this is a gorgeous place Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe i want to live here oh we hear that now well as as you know in skugog we you know got more um we were limited a little bit in the number of people because of a uh, lack of um, water. Yeah. Okay, so they they got that bit of intra- infrastructure built up. And so we're talking to people now that are coming into our space, our art space, and they're saying, oh, uh, you know, we just moved here two months ago. And it's just, it's really cool. They're brand new people. And they will all say, we were coming and visiting here for few years and when we decided we wanted to move to a small town this was what we picked yeah it's it's often joked that the, the people who make the most money from tourism are real estate agents yeah right followed <laughs> followed by the lawyers who are doing the contracts but <laughs> it but it's very very true but it that causes more problems because longtime residents and i and i live in georgetown ontario and, and it is growing like a weed and i love it because I, you know, I grew up in Brampton. Because you're a weed. I'm Let's a weed. Yeah, it. and I grew up in Brampton, and 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 watched that explode, and loved it too. Because of just, it became more vibrant, and Georgetown is there. But there's a lot of people who have moved here 30 years ago, or moved to, to a community 30, 40, 50 years ago, or their third generation or fourth generation, and want nothing to change. Mm-hmm. Right. And the issue is, is that never stops. So someone, you know, there's a lot of people who moved to a town. If they moved in last year. They want Port Perry to be the Port Perry of last year forever. Mm-hmm. And 20 years from now, they'll be the ones that are complaining because things have changed. It, life doesn't work like that, in my mind. It's all about you have to change. And if, if the cost of things go up. So if you had a community of 100 people and you only ever wanted it to be 100 people and your taxes were $100 five years ago, well, the cost of that now to, to do the plowing and the garbage collection is probably two or 300 And now you're going to be complaining about your taxes going up, but you've got your same 100 people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for for me, it's I think it's a wonderful thing to watch a community grow and blossom because they're vibrant. And I think that the communities like yours that have a community tourism plan and have an idea of the importance of the visitor economy are better situated to manage that growth because your businesses are already welcoming people from all over the place. So having someone that moves in from all over the place. Mm-hmm. now just is is they're going to feel less comfortable as they did when they came to visit 
which I think is is great. And it's, it does put a, a, a community in, in a more ready position for that growth that they need. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's quite fun to watch. And, but, and then ironically, here we are complaining about the complainers. But that's okay. There's always going to be complainers. But, yeah. And you're right. But the, they're the, the squeaky wheel usually gets the grease. And that's why we need at the council meetings, we, we recommend having the businesses get up and talk or having a council like a you know a, a, mm-hmm. like your arts council get up and, and talk about the importance of the visitors to your art community which keeps your community vibrant for the residents and not only that the more vibrant it is and the more people that are moving here and staying here then you start to attract bigger businesses yes. which then helps all the little guys yeah it's it's it just keeps just keeps snowballing well and what's unique about this community i find is that there are a lot of owner operated businesses. And so that's very exciting. There are not many businesses here that are chains and uh, not many businesses where the ultimate profitability actually leaves the community. So it is a lot of small business here. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the easy opportunities for uh, small rural communities? I think the number one thing is is getting to know your neighbors as a business, as an artist. Find out who else is in your community as an artist and then figure out how do you work together? Is there is there a connection? And there always will be if you're open minded to make those to make those connections. So that's that's the number one thing is is you building a network of support and understanding of what everyone is doing. That's number one. Um, number two is figure out you got to remember that People who are coming, especially on the art side, and any any like music and theater and visual and, and mm-hmm. all of that sort of yep, stuff. Yeah, we're all those things. Yeah. If you're in it every day, it just is it becomes commonplace. It's just what you do. But someone who's walking into your business, if you're if you're a potter or a glass blower, that's completely foreign to them and ridiculously interesting. Mm-hmm. So having the having the wherewithal to understand that where they're coming from, the person who's coming in, and and telling them about it, it becomes really important. Or better yet, if you can uh, provide opportunities for people to learn how to do it, mm-hmm. even if it's a one-off. I was at a I was out in Newfoundland once, and it we went for um, a glass a glass art class. I think it cost 60 bucks and we got a postcard size Hmm. piece of paper and all of this crushed glass in front of us. And they said, Hey, pull up a picture on your phone and try to recreate it as a mosaic. And you glue down, glue down the glass. I got fat fingers. It wasn't fantastic, but I loved doing it. I spent all the way to the very end. And then they fired it for you. Yes. So the next day, yeah, they fired it for the next day. You went back to the glass blowing gallery where the glass blower was from that taught us. And we got to pick it up. And then you saw what she had created. And suddenly a $700 price tag on something. You're like, what a deal. Rather than, wow, that's expensive. Because you, because my piece looked like crap. compared, <laughs> And it took every ounce of my effort to make it look semi-decent. And the stuff that she was producing was mind-blowing. Yes. So not only did I buy, get my little piece, I bought two or three pieces that I was able to bring back for Trish and the kids. And because it just was incredible. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and what a great marketing opportunity and what a great experience that I had 
And now when I go anywhere that has a glass blower, I'll go in because I recognize, or, or you know, the blowing in just in the glass art, because I completely understand how ridiculously hard it is what they, what they do. So that's another simple thing. Well, you say simple, but you have to be able, you gotta put a program together. And we share, can, and, I think the simpleness of that yeah. is share. Yeah. Don't be afraid to share, tell people what your ideas are, show people how you do things. Exactly. Because no one's going to be able to do it the way you do it, especially on, mm -hmm. in the art side. So yeah, yeah, and and I find too that it's some things are obvious, uh, like painting. People kind of get that. Oh, there's a paintbrush. There's a canvas. There's some paint, and you look at something and you and then you try to paint it. So there's some obvious things, but there's a lot of things that are not at all obvious about how something. Well, gets approached and, I, and i'd argue that even painting there's a lot there's a lot to painting and, and as my my wife's gone a couple of times and this is another thing you know if you've got some great artists partner up with a restaurant or a pub or something and you do those those art classes so mm -hmm. the the restaurant's getting the money from the drinks and and the stuff the artist gets the money for the for the uh, experience that they're providing but yeah. the amount of layering and stuff that goes on to a painting you know yeah. we uh, my wife and a bunch of our uh, our friends went to one of these and every painting was from the same picture looked completely different yeah yeah so you know i'm i'm all for this so these are easy easy things to try and get a little bit more money create an experience create an event that then can get posted on the municipal site and our site and get more people out to do them yeah so chuck let's make sure we get everybody the inf information um that they need to know what's going on in um durham york headwaters yeah. basically central counties so okay. let's get clear on the website all right so it, so from a b2b perspective so business to business, business oh, so sorry, businesses who want to get acronyms. involved mm -hmm. in doing things within their that's right the, uh, learning what's going on learning about the opportunities it's all free learning uh, about what your neighbors are doing that's right so you go to central counties with an s dot ca is mm -hmm. is that website and then if you want to learn how how we run our our consumer website you go to yorkdurhamheadwaters.ca and take a look and you'll you'll notice that we have an event calendar and that drives uh draws right from our our stakeholder uh, profiles yeah and so, we put it when we have a special event we go right. in and we put it in on the central right. via the central right. so, so site you, but so, it ends up on that right so anyone who's listening who has a business that is involved in the tourism you know the world of tourism uh, you, and you're not already registered, you register and you create a profile online and that will get you, uh, you can upload pictures and videos and then that gives you access to the event calendar. So whenever you're doing an event, you do up the event calendar, you put it on there, it goes up on our website. We also send it out every every week, we send it out to all the major dailies, all the events that are listed on our calendar. They don't always get picked up, but they always, because there's always stuff going on, we always know that they're looking at ours because we see ours layered into some of the majors on a regular basis, which is, which is fantastic. It's free advertising for what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Chuck, thank you so much for your time today. That's great. And to everybody listening, uh, Chi Megwech for spending time with us today. And thanks to The Wanted for their song Before the Fall and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. So visit scugogarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to and join us every Tuesday for an episode of Art Waves. <laughs>